Hey y'all, welcome back to Let's Be Blunt, a podcast where I, your host Cheyenne, smoke and talk about pretty much a whole lot of everything, to be honest. In case you're new here, welcome. This is an 18 Up podcast. I do smoke blunts. I do talk about a lot of grown people's stuff, so please keep that in mind, 18 and up. That being said, thank you for all the listeners that I have thus far. I am starting to stream on a lot more streaming services. I stream on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and officially Google Podcasts. I have to thank all y'all for coming back and continuing to listen to my podcast. That way we're able to actually get the followers we need to start streaming on these bigger platforms. I appreciate y'all so much. I will have... A merch update here pretty soon. I just got my distributor for that. So I appreciate y'all and all your thoughts and opinions as far as merch goes. I am listening. I am getting it done. Be patient. If you're not new here, welcome back. Like I said, I appreciate everything y'all do for me and the continued support y'all give me. Y'all... Before I even start this podcast, I am rolling the I am smoking the most funkiest fucking blunt I've ever smoked in my life, right? And I'm a very much a blunt girl. Like I like a backwood, I like a, a Dutch, I like a game, I like a swisher. I'm not much of a paper kind of person. Cause I feel like they burn too quickly. And this paper is no fucking different than what I'm smoking right now. The only difference is this bitch is rolling in Keith, okay? So it's burning extra fucking quick. And I ain't with it. Maybe someone could tell me how to roll a good Keith paper. Um, Send me your DMs because I'd be struggling with this shit. It'd be burning real fast and the smoke be outrageous. That being said, though, let's get into uh, today's topic. So this episode is, um, I'm pretty sure, part four on my evolution to hip-hop Y'all know last episode I had to break it down into the more of the history of hip-hop. Before continuing on to each uh, subcategory, you know, I wanted to give you guys a better understanding of what I was talking about and the depth of how hip-hop goes. This episode, though, is the evolution of the South Coast. So, this episode I'm going to be talking about a couple main states in particularly. I'm going to be talking about Atlanta. I'm going to be talking about New Orleans, which is in the state, a city, whatever. New Orleans. I'm going to be talking about Houston. I'm going to be talking about Memphis, Miami, and then North Carolina, all right? Now, you're probably wondering, North Carolina is kind of pushing it for South Coast. Yeah, I get it. But... The people I will be talking about from North Carolina, you will understand why I use them for the South Coast as opposed to the East Coast. Now, when I talk about South Coast hip-hop, I'm really talking about dirty, dirty South kind of hip-hop, okay? Now, when you're talking about pioneers of South Coast hip-hop, you have to mention the Ghetto Boys. They were in Houston, um... They were in Houston for a good minute, but 1989 to the 90s really um, was the time frame that the Houston boys were really coming up with South Coast hip-hop. Up to this point, it's really just uh, 
the battle between the the north and the and the west coast or the east and the west coast, I guess you would say. It's more the north. But up to this point, the Ghetto Boys were really the first guys to really bring kind of dirty south hip hop to the south. Um, you also gotta talk about organized noise. They came in the nineties around in the Atlanta area. Um, have to talk about Outcast. Outcast, I'll go a little some more detail about in a minute. Um, I want to mention Goody Mob. I want to ma- mention Nappy Roots, um, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, Mike Jones. You start to get into more late nineties, mid nineties. People really start to recognize who you're talking about. You got Master P. Um, obviously, Lil Wayne, Lil Kiki, Ludacris, um, Buddha Sparks, Lil John, Gucci Mane, Young Jeezy, Trick Daddy, Rick Ross, Juvenile. I can go on for ages. Three Six Mafia. Like, I can go on for ages of fantastic South Coast representatives of the rap game. Um, a few labels I want to talk about: um, Cash Money Records, No Limit Records, and Hypnotized Minds. Those were huge records when it record producers, record labels when it came to South Coast hip hop. Um, I'm gonna break it down um, a little bit more into those specific states that I just mentioned, that I can give you a better understanding, a better flow of the way music was coming out of the South. All right, so let's start with Louisiana, New Orleans. You know that deep South roots. Um, late 1990s, bounce music was starting to become, um, you gotta think Master P. So, it's different than club music from up north, where it's more techno-based. Uh, Dirty South hip-hop is more bounce music, so, not necessarily twerking and throwing ass, but definitely grinding kind of music, right? Not as much, like I said, poppy, and not as much, um... Tetnoe of the up north kind of hip hop. Um, Master P was established by No Limit Records, which, if you do any research into No Limit Records, you would understand how much talent they had coming out of that record during the time or label of the time. 1992 Cash Money Records was founded. Um, they had artists like Birdman, Lil Wade, you got Drake, you got Young Money, you got Nicki, you got Ace Hood, uh, Bow Wow, fuck, Busta Rhymes, Tyga, NBA, Youngboy. All these people are coming out of Cash Money Records. Now, those are a range of dates and times I'm not going to go into because all those people I named have influenced hip-hop in a different way. Now, you're probably like, well, Nikki isn't from fucking Louisiana, and Drake isn't from Louisiana. Valid, I got you. But the record label they signed to was, okay? So that's why I'm mentioning them this again in their in that era. I will mention Nikki, obviously, again when I talk about the Bronx some more often, but that will be a different episode. Let's jump to Florida real quick. Miami has a different sound than... Normal, dirty South rap, what do you associate it with, okay? When I speak of Florida, you got to think of two live crew. Um, They're really the first, I would say the first group out of Miami doing the O sound, you feel me? Doing um, less techno, but adding 
parts of R&B and techno together to really make the Florida sound. You got to talk about 95 South, um, 69 Boys, Tag Team, Quad City DJs. Um, they're really the foundations for the ghetto tech era that comes out of Florida. Now, a lot of Floridian, Floridian, how do you all even say your name? Floridian? That sounds retarded. I'm um, sorry. The way the Florida sound is coming nowadays, you have a lot more Hispanic influence in it, a lot more Cubano influence, which is valid. But I'm talking about the the original foundations of Florida music was called Ghetto Tech. So, a lot of people, I would say, when I go into more Florida, Tennessee kind of area, more Atlanta, I'll talk more about Lean. Um, but Florida Tech was really the first, or not Florida, sorry, Ghetto Tech was really the first foundations for the Lean movement. You got people coming out of Florida like Ace Hood, Smoke Purr, City Girls, obviously Kodak. You got Ski Master Slump God, you got Rick Ross. Um, Rod Wave. I can go on for days on people that I can talk about. Hot Boy, DJ Cali, T Pain, Flo Rider, Pitbull, like Jackie O, Mace. The talent that comes from Florida is crazy. I don't know what y'all producing up there. I don't know what y'all are putting your water. But the Florida rappers be crazy. You got Bad Barbie. Like, you can go on for days just on Florida. But. The DJ era was really affected by the Bronx movement and the New York wave. That's how a lot of DJs came through to Florida and produced their sound that way. Let's push it on to Tennessee. All right. A lot of Tennessee was formed of rap combining with R&B. While when you think about rap and R&B combining, I want you to think more of the terms of not found at clubs, but found at skating rinks, found at fucking get-togethers, you feel me, found at underground pop-ups. This is the kind of music that Tennessee rappers were making when rap really started to evolve in the 90s. I want to mention a couple important people. You got 3-6 Mafia, um, Yo Gotti, um, Crunchy Black, Project Priest, Project Fat. Fusaisti, Young Dolphin, Key Glock. These are all people that come out of Tennessee. And when you listen to their music, you can really hear the foundations of R&B within their music. Even though Key Glock is over here doing hood nigga shit, he still has the foundations of R&B in his music. You just gotta listen to it. Like the drum beats, things like that. Now, let's get to fucking Atlanta. Because Atlanta hip-hop is a different kind of breed of hip-hop, all right? Um, Outkast and Goody Mop popularized Atlanta hip-hop in the term SWATS, which is Southwest Atlanta Too Strong. If you don't know what SWATS is and you're from Atlanta, you ain't really from Atlanta, all right? You have people coming out like Little John, 21 Savage, CeeLo Green, Future, Criss Cross, Playboy Cardi, you got Soldier Boy, you got T.I., you got Usher, the Ying Yang Twins, Young Jeezy, Luda. I can go on for days about the Atlanta hip-hop scene. Now, when you talk about the way Usher and CeeLo Green 
influenced hip-hop was a little bit different. Because you don't necessarily think of Usher when you think of hip-hop. And I do, he's just more on the R&B kind of side of hip-hop, you know? When you think about CeeLo Green, even though he didn't write his own lyrics for the most part, he formed Atlanta's hip-hop in a way that the dirty side of hip-hop will never do. uh, CeeLo Green gained a wide, vast, a wide majority of listeners based on the way he performed hip-hop. He almost whiteified it, if that makes sense. Um, Especially in his later years, he tend to gentrify the Atlanta sound of hip-hop. That way he gets more people into it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but to each their own. When you talk about Luda and Little John, Little John changed the way within the rap community and the producing community. He wasn't, Little John's an amazing overall kind of a person, you know, someone you would want on your team because he could produce, he could rap, he could sing, he could do it all, you know, and Luda is the same way. Ludacris is an overall talent that Atlanta was blessed to have pretty much. Texas, let's talk about Texas. Um, Texas is known for that purple drink, all right? And a lot of other people say, you know, hey, it started other places, you know, woody woo. I am giving Texas the credit it deserves as the originators of the purple drink, all right? Now, for people that don't know what the purple drink is, let me educate y'all. Purple drink is prescription cough syrup, has to be prescription. Prescription soda, and candy. Now, as a person who has occasionally double-cupped, I prefer Jolly Ranchers in my lean, as a, or my purple drink, sorry, my purple drink. Um, but that is just my opinion. I prefer Sprite in a Jolly Rancher with my prescription um, cough syrup. Now, that being said, <laughs> now that I out of myself, that being said, I don't prefer the taste of purple drink. That's just me. There's a reason why I stopped drinking it. It fucks you up and incredibly. Um, I want to talk about UGK for a minute. Um, Mike Jones, PKO Nemesis. I want to talk about Scarface. Obviously, the Ghetto Boys came from Texas. Um, 2RO, Slim Thug. Um, I would even say SPM. Those groups and those people were key into the movement of pushing Purple Drink. It was always in their videos. They was always sipping on it in interviews. Like, it was always apparent, and it really pushed the movement as far as Texas rap goes. Because unlike Atlanta and unlike Florida, who have heavily rooted prior bases so by meaning of that i mean florida has a heavily rooted hispanic scene so the techno came kind of easy for florida atlanta had already a huge poverty scene still does so the ghetto rap and the true stories that atlanta rap carries with it um was already there texas yes has a lot of fucking issues but purple drink music really gave texas its kind of scene you got people of uh, fat, uh, fat Pat. You got Big Mo, Street Military, Latroy, um, that paved the way for people like Travis Scott, for Peso Peso, for Megan The Stallion, for that matter, um, for OTB Fastlane. To be honest, Ken the Man, 
They paved these ways for these people, even though you don't see Megan the Stallion sipping purple drink. You don't see Kevin or Travis Scott sipping this shit. You feel me? But the way the music flows will always be the same because of it. Um, it's the way it sounds, the way people move has been influenced through years of people drinking this stuff. Let's move on to North Carolina. Now I know y'all don't really think North Carolina should be in this episode, but I'm going to put it here anyways, as opposed to South Carolina. Um, because you got to think about Ninth Wonder, Big Pooh, J. Cole alone. I could speak on J. Cole for days, okay? Um, Betsy Pablos, you got King Mez, you got DaBaby, um, Wells. Oh, Ghost Boy was... Oh, Ghost Dog is a good person, too. I had to think about him. Edgar Allan Flo, Troop 41, um, Bake No Mitch. All these people really did influence the way the South views hip-hop. When you think about a J. Cole and a Baby era who have not only changed the way hip hoppers produce, but also changed the lyricism that comes behind it. Prior to this in North Carolina, yes, there was lyricism, but not in the way the evolution that the newer generation has brought to the North Carolina hip hop has really J. Cole alone, like I said, you can go into him for about for fucking days. The what he does for people and what he actually has evolved hip hop into and what it's continuing to be. I want to discuss the top ten Southern artists, okay, coming out of the South Coast. Y'all, these are y'all contenders. These are these people that you could throw them in a ring with anybody and they'll fucking demolish. I now. I am doing this on this episode for this specific reason because there's a lot of people, a lot of heavy underdog people coming out of the South Coast. And there is as the West Coast as well, in the East, in the North as well. I might do one for the North Coast because there's a lot of heavy dogs coming out of there as well. The reason I didn't do this top 10 for the West Coast is because, one, there's too many motherfuckers coming out of the West Coast. And a lot of people associate the West Coast with Tupac, all right? So me getting this information, asking people, not a lot of people knew good West Coast artists that I can make a decent top 10 list, all right? That being said, let's get into this list. I'm going to name number one as Outkast. And I know that's so controversial out of all the people I could have chose, all the bands I could have chose. I chose Outkast because they changed the game lyrically. They changed the game production-wise. They changed the game for music videos. They changed the game crazy for hip-hop. Okay, Outkast is number one. I'm going to go with Andre 3000 as my second pick. And I know he's one of the members of Outkast. I could have picked probably a better person. But I picked this person for lyricism alone. Okay? This man has the one of the best lyricists I've ever heard coming out of rap. And that's saying a lot for current rappers, for past rappers. That's saying a lot. Andre 3000 changed Outkast as far as the lyricism goes and the way hip-hop is evolved in today. Number three, I'm going with Lil Wayne. I'm saying Lil Wayne because high-key, Lil Wayne, even though his flow isn't as articulate as it used to be, 
I mean, that's caused by a lot of drugs. It's caused by a lot of lean sipping. A lot of shit Lil Wayne's been through. That his verbalization skills aren't always there. But that man's lyrics, his... I wouldn't even say his stage presence, because Lil Wayne doesn't have stage presence. His lyricism alone, and the people he's worked at, how he's changed the rap game entirely, that's why he gets my number three spot. J. Cole is number four. Again, we've been over this. Number five, I'm going to go with Scarface. Number six, I'm going to go with Pimp C and UGK. Now, I put that as a slash because I was having indifference about who I wanted my, um, what number are we on? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, my seventh spot to be, um, because they're both equally as important. I feel like Pimp C changed the way that rap was shown to the public and you, GK, like I said, in Texas really showed a different kind of vor, like a different kind of form of rap. Next, I'm gonna give my spot to T.I. because it's T.I., he is a mogul, to say the least, way past rap, but in the rap game, he's changed millions of people's lives. It's a He deserves that spot. Next, I'm going to go 3-6 Mafia. After that, I'm going to go Big Boy, which is the other member of OutKast, if you know your history. Um, he changed the, ra- the rap game as far as the producing level, as far as how rap was shown to the people. How past, it wasn't more of a lyricist thing for him. It was more of a showing the world what rap is kind of a thing. Outkast and Big Boy changed that for many producers and many record labels to come. Um, my last spot is going to go to Gucci Mane slash Luda. Okay. And you're probably wondering why Luda's so far on this fucking list. It's just because I had a lot of people that I felt were more deserving ahead of him. Um, Gucci Mane, though, is tied with Luda just because of his lyricism. Luda, yes, has great lyricism, but so does Gucci Mane. It's just a different kind of vibe. Um, Gucci Mane's been around for a minute. He's been with a lot, done a lot of, um, especially a lot of people. I think he's equally as deserving as being on this list. Now, that is my thoughts on the South Coast and how I feel about the rap game and the evolution of rap on the South Coast. We do got two more episodes. You got to do the North and then the East Coast. I might combine the Northeast into one episode. It will be a long episode because, you know, we got to get from Wisconsin fucking all the way to New York. So, I mean, Chicago all the way to New York, to be honest. Detroit, you got to get to Michigan and get all. I mean, Michigan's in Detroit. You got to get all those things. You feel me? On top of the East Coast, I can get New Jersey and then I got to get Pennsylvania. I got lots of things I got to get in this Northeast episode, so bear with me. I might have another episode, a filler episode launch in between then. Y'all have been desperately asking me for a fucking sports episode, and I'm working on it. I love me some sports. I love anything sports-related. I'm a very competitive person, but when I start talking about sports, I'm a very analytical person. I get really deep into dates and times and scores and algorithms and stats and shit. So I'm trying to reel myself in so I don't have an 18 long hour podcast, you know, because there's a lot of shit I could talk about. There's a lot of things I can go into. Y'all just need to let me know how much you want to hear it. 
That being said, I appreciate you. My link tree is in my bio. Please go check it out. It has all my social media links. So on my Facebook, on my X, my Instagram, my um anything you really need. All my links for all my streaming services are through my link tree. So please go check it out. It's in my bio as always. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. And please continue to listen to my podcast. It means the world. Stay safe.